0: Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders, inside and outside the sciences, share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Conner. Hello again, and thanks for joining me. Does your company
1: have a story to tell? I'm pretty sure it does, or somebody is spending a lot of money on, well, who knows. Whether you're in a startup or an established behemoth, there's probably a story to be told. I would bet that you listen to other podcasts, and maybe not all of those are interview-based. True crime podcasts are huge, although they're not really my thing, but I'm sure the story is what makes them compelling and why they have huge audience numbers. In today's episode, I'm going to share a podcast I produced about another organization, but it's relevant in our space. It's about funding scientists who are filling the pipeline of basic research to find cures for cancer, the clinical trials for those treatments, and programs to help survivors manage the long-term effects of those treatments. My goal today is to show you how a podcast can tell a compelling story about an organization. And at the end of this episode, I have a special announcement for my subscribers. Ready? Let's dive in. In the last episode, you heard from some of the Olympians that donate their time to swim across America about their experience in the San Francisco Bay Swim. You also heard from Drs. Julie Saba and Robert Goldsby whose programs benefit from the funds raised in San Francisco. In this episode, you'll hear more from those two doctors about the specific work they're doing. I also talked to Rob Butcher, the CEO of Swim Across America, and Craig Beardsley, a 1980 Olympian who is now the Director of Partnerships, to learn more about the history of the organization and its mission. But first, Heather Petrie, four-time Olympian in water polo and gold medalist, reminds us what this is all about.
2: I um, had an aunt who had cancer while I was in college, and I had a very vivid memory of her um, having a bone marrow treatment and coming to my very last water polo game in a wheelchair. And they wheeled her in, and she was cheering like a champion over there. And at the time, I don't think I really understand the fight that she was in, but she had so much heart and wanted to turn her energy towards me to support me when she was fighting for her life and it took many years um before i kind of had that aha moment that at some point we all should turn around and support others as well um in whatever they're going through whether it's you know cheering for someone else in their sport or standing beside them while they're fighting cancer
1: craig beardsley has been involved from the very first swim he described for me how this whole thing got started
3: Jeff Keith and Matt Vossler, those two gentlemen are, they're my inspiration. They're the ones that really got me involved. Uh, I am still inspired by both of them so much. And they made me realize that, you know, I have the power to make a difference. And I learned that very early on. And and to use something as inane as swimming to actually make a difference was fascinating to me. You know, 1984, several years before I swim and, Mm Jeff Keith ran across the United States to raise money for cancer research and awareness. His inspiration was a young man named Terry Fox from Canada. And Terry had the same sort of sarcoma, same sort of amputation. And Terry, you know, tried to cross North America and unfortunately didn't make it. And, you know, he's still, you know, revered in Canada. So Terry Fox was... Jeff's inspiration. So 1984, Jeff ran across the United States with Matt Vossler and Hugh Curran and a few others and they raised a few million dollars and you know, nobody did stuff like that back then and Jeff went on to business school and came back to Connecticut and then they wanted to do something a little bit different and keep it going. I think, you know, I don't think they wanted to run and walk anymore so they wanted to um, jump in the water and that's really where the genesis of this idea came from. Again, I was just lucky enough that they reached out to me and it's a it's a huge part of who I am in my life Rob
1: Butcher the CEO of swim across America explains the model we're a
4: grant-making organization we put on charity swims for a purpose of raising money that money comes into us we're stewards of it and then in Q4 which is between Thanksgiving and um, Christmas of every year We're basically draining our entire bank account as far as we can, and we're granting those dollars back out to our research partners.
1: One of those partners is Dr. Julie Saba, whose lab does important basic research on a couple of specific childhood cancers.
0: Across America is essential for my lab. They provide funding that is on the level of a National Institute of Health major grant. So every year they have been providing sufficient funds to support the salaries of a couple of scientific trainees or scientists in transition to spend full time working on these cancer projects.
4: And Swim Across America focuses its grants dollars on bench research and clinical trials. And the the sort of reason why that's important is in the 80s, um, the founders of our organization were looking for new options to fight cancer other than surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. And in order to bring forward those new options, um, researchers at hospitals who had all these whiteboard ideas would need dollars because there was no one funding or there's just sort of a great shortfall of funding for early stage dollars for investigators who have novel ideas whether it's in immunotherapy whether it's in gene therapy whether it's in um, uh, personalized therapy these were incredibly forward-thinking ideas in the 80s 90s and even still today that researchers need money in order to fund preliminary basic research and with that basic research and sort of a proof of concept they're then able to to go to larger foundations or even the federal government and apply for larger grants, which would speed up um, even more sort of cures and ideas coming from the bench research.
1: In that regard, you can think of Swim Across America like an angel investor. Julie Saba explains the importance of that angel investor mentality and role in scientific research.
0: These studies that are funded by Swim Across America are generally in the early phase of development, because NIH funding is difficult, it's extremely competitive and difficult, and because only 3% of federal dollars that go to cancer research are for pediatric research, the competition is extraordinary. So for us to get our projects to the point that they are mature enough to be competitive for NIH funding, We depend on the philanthropic funds of Swim Across America. They enable us to be creative, to take risks, and to establish new studies that can lead to new areas of scientific research. These are early stage studies. They're not ready to go into the clinic, but we generate the pipeline of information that can lead to new therapies. Somebody has to do basic science research at the cellular level, at the genetic level, to create the theories that will then be tested and will lead to the development of small molecules and immunotherapies
2: in the future.
1: Robert Goldsby works with survivors of childhood cancer.
2: The survivor program, the mission of the survivor program is to make sure we're advocating for survivors of childhood cancer and uh, making sure that they're being provided the appropriate clinical care, that they're educated as to the some of the potential uh, issues they may face related to their cancer and its therapy, and we also doing research, looking at uh, uh, trying to delve into issues survivors may face. So it's three prongs, it's clinical care, it's research, and it's education. It's, it, you know, it's not like, um, You have appendicitis and you take the appendix out, but there are scars and wounds that may need attention to help them heal. Um, So, and again, that's the the focus of the survivor program. So we can't do this. We can't offer this program as effectively as we do without the support of generous people, including Swim Across America, who without those funds, we, we wouldn't be able to offer this. We've developed uh, what we call a survivor passport. It's essentially a a piece of plastic that is a credit card size, and it includes on that card a summary of their diagnosis and their treatment. And on the back of the card, it has a summary of their follow-up needs and how often they need them. And again, something that's concise, portable, and they can take with them and take to their doctor and show their doctor this is what I need and how often.
1: Julie Saba describes the research of one of the scientists working in her lab.
0: Glioblastoma is a terrible childhood brain tumor. It it happens in adults as well, but it's um, probably genetically somewhat different in childhood. It has a devastating outcome. And the only way that we will be able to provide targeted therapy for glioblastoma is to understand the genetic underpinnings of that disease. So her name is Denise. Denise is studying something called super enhancers, which are organizing centers in the in the DNA of the cancer cells and which lead to the actual identity of the cell as a cancer cell. They change the genetic, um, profile in a way that makes that cell become malignant and we can disrupt these super enhancers and it has been shown that that can actually reverse the malignant phenotype of the cell. So we are trying to systematically identify the super enhancers in the glioblastoma tumors uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to then find ways to specifically turn around their identity and cause them to not be malignant.
1: Funding that type of basic research leads to important breakthroughs, and the funds granted by Swim Across America yield real results that are making a difference in the lives of cancer patients today. Keytruda is an FDA-approved treatment for several types of cancer. Swim Across America provided the funds for clinical trials that made that possible.
4: Specifically, in the case of the uh, the Johns Hopkins story, the oncologist that we began supporting there in 2009 with the proceeds from the Baltimore Swim, it, it wasn't that he was funding. Um, his idea was immunotherapy at that time. There was other sort of spaces that dollars were going into, but you know, some some breakthroughs were occurring, and he ended up writing to a bunch of the pharmaceuticals and asking them, "Could I get a?" A vaccine for immunotherapy if I have an organization that will cover the clinical trials. You know, only one responded. He he loves to sort of walk around today with all the rejection letters he got, even from the big commercial companies. And Merck was the company that responded and said, if you if you can fund the cost of the clinical trial, we'll provide you the vaccines for it. And this was really the groundbreaking stuff. And it wasn't called Katrude at that time. It was called um, MK3475, which is their internal language for, you know, what Katruda was known as, because they didn't know it was going to become Cotruda either. They didn't have FDA approval on it. And so, um, you know, we ended up providing the, um, you know, we ended up providing the funding for it. And, you know, I don't know how many clinical trials we went through um, or how many they did, but finally there was enough evidence that it was submitted to the FDA and the FDA did, I want to say it was in 2015, sort of the first approval of Katruda. now we start to see sort of multiple more FDA approvals on applications of Katruda.
1: Research and the development of new therapies are essential, but we shouldn't forget that face-to-face human involvement makes a difference right now. The Olympians who donate their time set an example for all of us.
2: One of my favorite parts of this is when the Olympians come to the hospital, and you take them around to see the kids who are going through cancer therapy. It is amazing the emotional benefit of the kids talking to an Olympian that's won a gold medal or a silver medal or a bronze medal or no medal. It doesn't matter that they've been to the Olympics and uh, overcomes you know, something that was really challenging. And to... Witness that, and to watch these Olympians talk to these kids and interact with the kids in the hospital—that—that that is a pretty special event. They are—they're um, all part of this, and I think they
4: love the purity and the sort of spiritual cause of Swim Across America, and so that brings them back. And as a result, we've never paid an Olympian an appearance fee to come to one of our events. I mean, just sort of let that meditate for a second. You know, you're company ABC and you want to hire Michael Felt, Rowdy Gaines, you're going to end up paying thousands of dollars in an appearance fee for that Olympian to come, or tens of thousands of dollars. And they all donate their time to Swim Across America, I think because of that spiritual cause and because of the transparency that we provide. Here's
3: Craig Beardsley again. And that's really important. And so when they're there at these swims, they're fully engaged for the right reasons. And that is just a really neat thing thing for me to see still you know people see olympians and they get a little wigged out it's like oh my gosh i have to jump in the water with the, the women's olympic water polo team but you know, they, but it's all about doing the right thing right and it's all about just being in the water and sharing the experience and making a difference you know and some of our doctors swim our scoreboard
4: is not how fast do you swim or um if you're out of the water first second or third That's immaterial. For us, the scoreboard is, how much money can we raise for the cancer institution within your community? In other words, how big is the grant check we're gonna be able to give out?
1: Rob Butcher explains why Swim Across America has been and continues to be so successful.
4: I get asked all the time, like, what makes you guys, you know, unique, and why does your model continue to work and sustain? And, and I think there's a couple of key reasons for it, um, particularly with our open water swim swims that are generating more than $100,000, that swim is attached to a research hospital within that community. So in Dallas, it's Baylor, in Tampa, it's Moffitt, and so forth. That local attachment, or as we like to say, dollars raised local stays local, really drives in community engagement. So in other words, the money's not going into this cloud and then getting redistributed so you don't have tampa people raising money and saying where did my money go to like they get to meet the researchers from Moffitt, they can go tour the Moffitt hospital or in baltimore johns hopkins or in seattle seattle cancer care alliance or in chicago chicago rush and it's just an admirable part of our model that works really incredibly well for
1: us and he's committed to keeping that success going
4: I don't view Swim Across America as like a stepping stone to you know something else. Um, so I'm, I'm super committed, I'm super all in on the organization and, and sort of the impact that it has because you know, I can put my head down every night and wake up in the morning and go, boy, we're having a massive impact. And I can look at my kids who are you know, seven-year-old twin boys and sort of explain to them the impact that dad's having and trying to make this world a better place.
1: Dr. Rob Goldsby knows the impact firsthand.
2: It wouldn't be there without Swim Across America. So uh, it, it is the Swim Across America Survivor Program.
1: Because you are still here, I trust that you found that episode interesting and maybe even inspiring both in terms of the work Swim Across America is doing and how your company can tell a story in a podcast. I told you I have a special offer. Not every company has the resources for an ongoing podcast series, but an audio interview with one or two of your scientists or executives could result in a valuable and shareable piece of content that you can host on your website. I'm now offering small batch handcrafted audio content that you can imagine was produced by a couple of bearded hipsters in a loft in Brooklyn, or you can think of it as a press release brought to life by the magic of audio. The price for a 20 to 30 minute episode is $2,500. If you commit to an episode before June 1st, I'll include a co-branded transcript, a $300 value. Each episode will then live in a new podcast feed separate from this one, the value of which will grow over time as more stories about amazing companies and technology are added. You can reach me by email, chris at com. I'll be back with another brilliant guest in two weeks. In the meantime, if you know somebody who should be listening to this podcast, and I think you do, please tell two of them. Bye-bye.